Welcome to Life Solved, the research podcast from the University of Portsmouth, where we explore how studies here are changing our world today and in the future. I'm John Worsey, a writer at the University of Portsmouth, and in this episode, we put parent shaming on the naughty step. Anyone who's raised a family has sought advice from friends, family, and quite often, self-help books. Dr. Lexi Scherer is a senior lecturer in childhood studies. I've got a bit of a problem with self-help as a genre, I think, because it's too particular and narrow, and sometimes it's too individual. You know, so if you follow my advice, you'll be happier. If you follow my advice, you'll get whatever it might be. And I actually think some of the better solutions, if we're talking about solving things to this, might be more communal, and it might be about supporting each other. Lexi's focus is on understanding very young children under the age of five, and particularly in the area of sleep. Her studies have led her to the conclusion that parenting books can do more harm than good, and her research, for both personal and professional reasons, has led her to less toxic solutions. Despite a previous career as a schoolteacher and a PhD in the sociology of childhood, Lexi's examination of parent manuals also comes from a point of view even closer to home. I got interested in sleep because I have a very low sleep needs, tricky sleeping child. And when she was a baby, I was literally pulling my hair out, trying to read all the advice. None of it resonated. What I tried didn't work. Then I felt like I was a failure. And so it was really in response to this living, breathing child that I just thought, there's got to be another way. And somewhere along the line, I guess my research interest kicked in because at first I just felt like I'd got it wrong. And it's interesting in terms of my research because where's the children's voice in this? Where are the parents' voices in this? It's all this very instructive advice. You must do this and you must do that and doesn't sort of look at kids in it. And so I remember I had my daughter in the sling was about six months old and the only thing I could find was a pink pen you know basically like a wax crayon and I started making notes leant up against the wall with a pink pen and that was the origin of this (laughs) baby who was asleep on me trying to kind of make something of it and react against it a bit. Some of the Life Solved team have read excerpts from real life parenting self-help books. If you do not act now it will never change They will stay there in your bed until they graduate from university if you let them. I think a lot of these self-help books work on the basis of threat. If you don't do this, the suggestion is never that their advice is wrong. You didn't follow it carefully. You didn't show tough enough love. You weren't exacting enough. And I guess it's a bit inflammatory, isn't it? Because all parents would want the best for their children and for their social and emotional development. There's a moral dimension to it. If you don't do this, they'll still be in your bed when they're 18 and affected adversely as an adult. The idea that there might be alternatives just might not be available to everyone. People have to go back to work earlier if they don't have enough space. So whilst people might not take it as gospel, they might feel they either out of desperation with tiredness or because of other demands on their time or their space that they have to. So I guess that's kind of sad if it feels that you're forced or trapped into doing some of these things. Sometimes there's a distinctly 20th century feel to the parenting advice. No bottles, breasts or high-class comfort shall be given from dusk until sun up. There is no nutritional need. 
What struck me about these, they're published recently. So there's a paper that I've written with my colleague, Amanda Norman, and we looked at some of the older baby books and actually things published in the 1940s, there's a book by someone called Truby King. And it's not that different. It's routine, structure, ignoring the baby. And there's quite a lot out there that's mainstream now in the NHS that says they do need nutrition until they're about 18 months old overnight. So why would you tell people that they don't? So there's something about nurture and there's something more simply about kind of calories and nourishment. And then, finally. My patented rope trick, tying the bedroom door shut with something like a skipping rope around the handle, will no doubt offer disbelief, then rage, tears, but they will learn. Again, it brings into question ethics. I mean, should we be locking people in rooms? If I invited you to my house and you said something that I didn't agree with politically or that offended my husband or whatever it might be, you wouldn't treat an adult by locking them in a room. That would be seen as unethical at best and, and abusive at worst. So this idea that it's a patented trick kind of almost sounds like it's funny, but I'm just troubled by some of these suggestions and what they're suggesting about how we should be raising children in the 21st century. <laughs> so those are traditional books. And while we're not saying the internet is blame-free in giving questionable advice, far from it, it was the World Wide Web where Lexi found her tribe. What I found was actually something that was recommended by someone else. I was about to leave Facebook. I got a bit sick of people liking their own photographs and kind of presenting a particular view of themselves that didn't seem very authentic. And someone in a baby group offline recommended someone called The Milk Meg, who is a IBLC. So she's an international board of lactation consultant certified person. And it was very much... At a particular point with the baby useful, so it was normalising breastfeeding, suggesting different hacks if you're having trouble with that. And I found that resonated with me at a particular point. Like now I don't think it would be so interesting. So maybe it's finding something that kind of aligns with your parenting style and that's relevant to the age of your child. So I then from that got a recommendation. You know, the algorithm is very clever. If you like this you might like something else. So it wasn't actually my own research. It was Facebook's algorithm that found me, the Beyond Sleep Training Project. And I thought, ah, this is interesting and this is slightly different. Here are some Life Solve podcast recommendations. Life's too short to fully examine it, but here are some podcasts to help you make some progress. The Partially Examined Life Philosophy Podcast is a deep-dive philosophy reading group that's been downloaded nearly 50 million times. Based on its success, host Mark Linsenmeyer started the Nakedly Examined Music Podcast, featuring career-spanning interviews with songwriters. You get to hear some great songs and learn about the creative decisions behind them. But maybe you're not that geeky about music or philosophy. Well, try Mark's Pretty Much Pop, a culture podcast, where diverse panels of guests examine what we watch or otherwise consume. Finally, for the philosophy beginner who's not adverse to some comedy thrown into the mix, try Philosophy versus Improv. Mark and Chicago improv comedy instructor Bill Arnett teach each other their respective arts and bring on professional philosophers and or performers to keep things lively. Find out about all of Mark's podcasts at partiallyexaminedlife.com or look up the Partially Examined Life, Nakedly Examined Music, Pretty Much Pop 
and philosophy versus improv wherever you listen. If you're enjoying Life Solved, the research podcast from the University of Portsmouth, then you might like one of our other episodes from space, fabrics, films, environment, human biology, philosophy, and much more. There is an episode for you. The episode you're listening to demonstrates how a one-size-fits-all approach to parenting advice has its flaws. And back in October 2022, we explored how sports clothing could fall short by doing the same. Dr. Jenny Burbage spoke to us about smart textile design and catering sports bras to an individual's needs. We know that research in this area has an impact on all women, regardless of whether you're just a weekend warrior and, and turn up and do the odd bit of sport or actually don't do any sport and it's in your everyday life or whether you're competing right at the elite end of the spectrum. You know, our research can really have an impact on women across all roles within society, which is fantastic. All the episodes from our first 11 series are available to stream for free wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lexi was frustrated with the parenting books she was reading, but she'd found a community online focused on sleep. But don't think this was yet another internet talking shop. There was substance and intellectual rigour to the advice being given. It was a group that was started up by a woman, Carly Grubb, who was a blogger. And actually, I didn't see the blog. It was before I was ever a parent. It was called Grubby Babies. And she kind of talked about just let it all hang out. And rather than some Instagram-worthy, perfect home and perfect image of parenting, it was about how things can be untidy and messy and how we cope emotionally and with our mental health and how we meet children in the middle. Um, and that might not look pretty and it might not be easy, but as far as I understand it, that was where it originated. And then she started up the group, the Beyond Sleep Training Project, as a space that was peer mentored. So there's a group of moderators and people put posts on there. And then there's quite a lot of evidence-based pinned posts, which are really, really helpful because it's the opposite of just trawling the internet with the soup analogy. It's kind of soup that has good nutritional facts and information and that somebody else vouches for, if we use that analogy. <laughs> Here's a challenging thought. Online content can impact our self-worth with images of, say, the perfect lifestyle or body. Images that leave us feeling inadequate. Could parent shaming be following a similar pattern with more serious potential consequences? I suspect it goes back a long time and I suspect it's about shaming women probably a bit more widely. I know there's lots of research about that, feminist research about what women wear and what they say and social class and women. So maybe it feeds into that. Maybe there's something particularly about when people are under pressure because they're tired and they're vulnerable, that they're more likely to say things. I know it happened to me, things that get in your head. So something that's a small comment can end up becoming amplified and feel shaming, even if it's not meant to. And also there are real implications if you get this stuff wrong. So if you don't do sleep safely, then it can be dangerous. You know, there's risks of SIDS, which is, you know, sudden infant death. So if you get it wrong, it's not safe. You know, it's not like if you dress a child in something that wasn't appropriate for a trip to the beach, then the worst that's going to happen is you get sort of sand in your socks or something. Whereas actually, if you get sleep wrong and you fall asleep on a sofa, there is a risk of suffocating a baby, for example. So there is a justification behind the shaming, I guess, which is if it's done unsafely, it can be dangerous. So here's some positive quotes from the Facebook group. Articles online that I read, like all of them, 
Anything about baby sleep made me feel like my baby was broken. Then I found the milkmaid, who was like, there is nothing wrong with feeding your baby to sleep. I was pressured to sleep train, but it just felt like I was putting my baby in boiling water to do that. Even if you have the happiest baby on the block, you won't have time to read all this stuff. What we do have is his bed sidecarred onto ours, so we can sleep all in a family bed. So much easier and better. I would not have had that idea without the group, though. Certainly my experience of parenting, I felt hugely de-skilled so actually I had been a teacher and it wasn't any use to me and much of what I taught about childhood just crumpled in the face of this tiny baby and people talking about tried and tested evidence-based experiences just gave me the confidence to go and try some of these things myself and I think that's reflected in what some of these people said so feeling validated and, and more confident. Even the most measured, thoughtful and well-researched sites can go off track every now and then. And Lexi suggests that, if sleep deprivation allows, we use our critical faculties. I've seen things that are like super left-field people who have weird medical alternative ideas. Someone saying that 5G masts are what's affecting children's sleep. So I guess it's like anything take it with a pinch of salt and I guess there's something about reading critically so whether it's mum's net whether it's this group there's another one which I think is quite aligned called raised good I guess it, even if you think yeah this is good stuff and it's a peer moderated group it's only as good as the contributors so people can still come out with weird things or say something that's not safe or something that is a bad idea I guess We've been a bit critical of parenting books in this episode, but let's be fair. The authors likely approach their writing from a positive, well-meaning place. And many readers will find some of the approaches in their paperback parent manual will work well with their particular child. So what would Lexi's advice be to would-be writers to ensure their book creates the maximum amount of positivity for the most amount of people? Just be a bit careful about what your motivation is because is it evidence-based some of these things aren't is it kind and is it safe and ethical because I think those three things have got to come first and as a researcher those would be things that would always govern my research practice but I don't think they always do with these books and there are examples on that group of people who ignored that advice and for example someone who lived in Australia and their baby was screaming and screaming and had they ignored it they wouldn't have found out there was a snake in the room you know so to the advice that is you know they'll never learn to sleep if you don't leave them in a room by themselves I'd say yeah but there might be circumstances where that's not what you want to listen to is it kind I think that's really the first question and I get it publishing it's about finding gaps in the market in sales but being responsible while there aren't many dangerous snakes to worry about on the south coast of England where the University of Portsmouth is based Lexi's research has potential to help parents in many other ways. There's probably something to be said for local parenting groups having use of a peer approach. Quite a lot of people do kind of antenatal classes. So I'd really like to see this being used maybe in local antenatal groups so that you could have peers. So somebody who's got a baby could kind of maybe work with somebody who's about to have one or older, I don't mean older mums, but mums with older children working with kids who are younger so they can say, yep, that's totally normal. This is what worked for me at that age. They'll grow out of it or actually sometimes flagging, no, that really isn't. Maybe you need a referral 
whatever. So there's kind of something about parenting groups that could be done at a local level, really anywhere. Specifically to Portsmouth, we have the Civic Universities Agenda. And part of that is about how we can get the research out of academia and out of the ivory tower and into the population, really. There's something around collaborating with the Solent NHS Trust here because they are updating a resource called Better Sleep through the life course, all of us probably have too much blue light on our screens at night, but for little kids that impacts even more. So working with them to develop that better sleep through the life course resource, which is for birth to five would be relevant. And also with local parenting groups to take some of the findings for parents who might be struggling with sleep here. Ultimately in parenting and probably overall in life, we all need to be better listeners in a world full of advice. It's the sharing and discussing experiences and finding the right route for the individual child that's the most effective way forward for parents, rather than the one-size-fits-all self-help book. While it's not always easy to find the right community online, the effort certainly paid off for Lexi in her home life, and she's now able to help others through her research at the University of Portsmouth. We'd love you to be part of the discussion. Email us at lifesolved at port.ac.uk. That's lifesolved, one word, at port.ac.uk. Tell us what you think and make suggestions for future episodes of Life Solved. In the meantime, you can get news of the latest developments here at the university by going to our website, port.ac.uk. And we'd love it if you clicked follow on your podcast app so you never miss an edition. We'd really appreciate it if you left a rating or review as well. It helps us get these conversations into more ears around the globe. Next time, with the AI beast well and truly out of the box, we ask how artificial intelligence could help and hinder us in the future and what needs to be done now to keep us safe. If we take the really long term and imagine that so much of our work is handled by AI, well, we could envisage a different approach to society where we don't actually have to work full time in order to maintain our income and our lifestyle. It requires careful management of society, but the future can indeed be bright, I think. Bye for now. <laughs>